Good morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians on this wild and windy spring morning. I hope nobody got blown over on their way to church this morning. We've heard our choir sing of love and compassion in that Teze chant, Ubi Caritas. And today's service is a reminder of the love and the compassion that we humans need to show ourselves and one another in this material world where it is so very easy to make mistakes. And I personally am going to do all that I can today to make some mistakes, just to help you say the mistakes that you've made recently. I notice I have falling candles. That's going to cause trouble later on. So keep a close eye on those candles and see if we can keep them upright for the entire service. Because this service is part of our monthly ministry theme on forgiveness and redemption. And like all our work here in this Unitarian community, it comes with our reminder. Nothing we say is written in stone. You don't have to believe certain things in order to belong here with us. And you don't have to behave in particular ways to belong. We know we all have our unique lives. We'll never know every aspect, will we, of one another's journey. So here, we will never tell you that you must forgive a wrong. No, forgiveness is a complex concept. It has different meanings for different people, and only you can choose how you will respond to life's many happenings. All we do in these Kensington Unitarian services is give one another food for thought and, and encourage one another to listen well to one another and, of course, to ourselves, creating space in which to learn and grow throughout our lives. So we have some opening words written by Chip Roosh now, and it refers to our mobile phones, but I suggest we don't do what he says and fiddle with them immediately, but let's see. Chip reminds us that we are about to enter sacred time. We're about to make this time and this space sacred by our presence and by our intention. So we will suggest that we switch off our phones and, and as we do so, we invite each other to turn down the volume on our fears, to, to remove our masks, to loosen the armour around our hearts. Let's do that as slowly as we need to. If we take a little risk here with one another, we may find that each of us has the similar human needs to us. We can breathe here. We can let go of the expectations placed on us by others and those that we've been taught to place upon ourselves. We can drop some guilt and shame, not to shirk accountability, but in honest expectation of the possibility of forgiveness. We can let go of that thing we said the other day or the thing we dread next week. We can be here in this moment and breathe. 
Our chalice is lit and it is connecting us with progressive communities the world over. My hope is that its light will inspire us to reach out to others and to connect this day. I wonder if any of you think of yourselves as clumsy. We don't need to have a show of hands, but you know. I've always seemed to be a bit clumsy. I drop things, I break things, and sometimes I do really very silly things indeed. I, um, I once put a boxed game of Monopoly on a car roof and then I forgot I'd done that and I drove off. And the first thing we became aware of was banknotes of various <laughs> denominations floating down around the car as we sped along. I don't think I've played Monopoly since, which is probably a good thing. And sometimes with me, it's as though my mind and my body are going in two completely different directions. One memorable evening, I filled the electric kettle at a friend's house, um, and then I put it on the gas burner, lit the gas burner, and uh, left the room, set fire to the kettle and to their kitchen. Once we put the fire out, I did try to explain that that kettle had felt and looked exactly like a kettle we'd had for years when I was young, and that was a kettle that went on the hob. So that was my excuse, anyway. This this absent-minded clumsiness of mine has been with me since childhood, and I'm really grateful to my mum for teaching me early on that comforting saying that there's no point in crying over spilt milk. And of course that's got the underlying message that there's no point in being upset about something that is relatively small in life. What's done is done. And in turn, I've taught this saying to various young people over the years, and then I've experienced the pleasure of them saying the saying back to me. There was a a memorable Saturday morning when when a teenager who was living with us for a while was busy upstairs painting their bedroom. And we heard a bang and a crash from upstairs, and then a face appeared round the corner of the kitchen door, asking, you know that thing about spilt milk? Does, it, does that work with spilt paint too? All I'd, I'd say now to any of us, looking back on that particular incident, if you are going to spill a tin of paint, make sure it's a small tin, um, preferably not full, and choose a colour that you really don't mind being in your carpet forevermore, because it never entirely comes out. And ideally, you know, don't spill it from the top of a very tall ladder, because when you do that, the paint spreads all over the place. So, I'm not sure about spilt paint. Um, you may need to cry over that sometimes. And I think our young people are going to leave for their own programme now, and if you want to do any pictures of slight errors you've made in life, anything you've spilt, I'll be interested to see those. And we'll look forward to seeing you later. And it gives us all a chance to get our pieces of paper sorted, because each week in, in these services over the next few weeks, I'm going to bring a version of the Lord's Prayer for us to say together if we wish. You don't have to join in. 
the Lord's Prayer may have been part of many of our childhoods with its line, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it's interesting how different people then reinterpret that line. Um, so a friend and colleague, Winnie Gordon, has written this version of the Lord's Prayer, which is here on this sheet. And this will lead into our more general time of prayer and reflection. <coughs> Beloved, your wish is our wish. Your dreams and hopes for the world, mine also. Nurture our soul, release our mistakes, and relinquish our greed. Bless our living, now and always. Amen. So as we enter a time for prayer and reflection, let's call on the beloved of our own hearts and understanding. That spirit of, of life and love in all that exists. Let's call on that inner beloved to comfort us as we consider, if we wish, some of the shortcomings of our own lives, our errors and blunders. Times when we've fallen short of our own high standards. let's remember also the times when we have lived with integrity times when we have reached our own high ideals and been the people we would wish to be Let us gently lay down our shortcomings. Let us not be trapped by the past, but find ways to release ourselves and release others as best we can, when we can, in our own time, without pressure, but with compassion for all concerned. And let us spend a few moments in silence now, directing our thoughts and prayers to people and places we know to be in need this day. That humanity's foolishness may be counterbalanced by kindness by justice, by wisdom, this day and all days. Amen.
Stop Beating at My Friend by Cat Liu. Once, while in the sixth grade, I brought home a quiz in which I'd gotten the highest score in the class, a 98%. When I proudly handed the paper over to my mother, she asked, where's the other 2%? Mum believed that by training her children to aim for perfection, we would be more successful. Academically, her strategy worked. Unfortunately, it also resulted in neurotic offspring who tend to dwell on our failings. Over the years, I've learned that many people share these nagging feelings of constantly falling short. Most of us have learned to censor our internalised critic in front of others. One day, however, after I'd gotten myself into a serious jam that required a friend to help me out, my inner critic could no longer be contained. I let loose an unrelenting stream of self-reprobation, ignoring my friend Shelley's repeated attempts to assure me things would be okay. Finally, she yelled, STOP BEATING UP MY FRIEND! Taken aback, I stopped. Then the words sank in and I laughed. Her uncharacteristic outburst and choice of words allowed me to see what I otherwise could not. I saw myself not as myself, but as Shelley's friend, someone loved by someone else and realised that I was being harsher on myself than I ever would be on a friend. If a friend were in my situation, I would have genuinely seen their failings as human and focused instead on how to make things better. So why hold someone to an unforgiving standard just because that someone is me? It sounds corny, but in that moment I finally understood the popular adage that you have to love yourself so that even when friends aren't there to defend you, you can be your own advocate, friend and fan. I will always have that voice telling me, you could have done better. That's okay, maybe even beneficial, as long as it's not the only voice we hear. Occasionally, when the first voice gets too much, I say, stop beating up my friend. And it works. And so we end with a simple prayer. As we extend loving kindness and compassion towards others in ever-widening circles, may we also extend them to ourselves. Amen.
So with that lovely music um, ringing in our ears still, let's steady ourselves now for a time of meditation. Um, you might want to put down anything you don't want to hold on to or hold on to something or someone you would like to hold on to. Perhaps be aware of yourself sitting, feet on the floor, the good earth beneath us, the busyness of, of London out there but stillness here within. And just a few words uh, that will then lead us into a good two or three minutes of silence and that will come to an end with a chime from our bell. And these words are exploring that to be alive is to, to be at risk. To laugh is to risk appearing a fool. To weep is to risk appearing sentimental. To reach out to another is to risk involvement. To expose feelings is to risk exposing our true self. 
To place our ideas and dreams before a crowd is to risk their loss. And to love is to risk not being loved in return. To live is to risk dying and to hope is to risk despair. To try is to risk failure. And yet these risks we take are our vital signs of our lives. I wonder what risk might life be calling us to take next? So in, uh, in today's service, I've admitted setting, friend to a f uh, setting fire to a friend's kettle and a bit of their kitchen. It all looks perfectly all right now. This is not the worst thing that I have done in my life, but I am not prepared to admit to some of my worst blunders in front of you lot, though I would be very interested to hear some of your life mistakes over a cup of tea later. There's no Unitarian tradition of, of confession, though. Those of you who come from the Catholic tradition can probably tell me the downside of the sacrament of penance and, and reconciliation, also known as confession, the making of ritual space for truth to be told safely and in privacy, the use of prayer to make amends, to right wrongs, and to lift those burdens of guilt and shame that I know many of us carry around. As an outsider, I can see the appeal of confession. And the, the Jewish ritual of atonement also appeals to me. Each autumn, in the days leading up to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, people will seek to make amends for wrongs committed during the past year. Where possible, they will seek to forgive those who have wronged them. To be human is to make mistakes, isn't it? And we know it's psychologically healthy to admit that. We know that striving to be perfect is psychologically damaging for us. It's not possible to be perfect, and if we push children too hard to aim for perfection, it can hurt them, sometimes for the rest of their lives. 
If we're criticised too much when we're young and if we're pushed too hard, we may keep that pressure on ourselves for all our adult lives, find ourselves never quite satisfied with what we're achieving. We may find ourselves troubled and burdened by our inevitable mistakes and failings. And we may then carry our errors around with us for far too long. Now, healthier, I think, to, make, to accept that all of us make mistakes. Healthier to acknowledge our shadowy aspects that counterbalance all our efforts to be good, to be successful, to be nice. Now, healthier to accept that life itself involves risk. Risks of all sorts. If we carry a bottle of milk, we risk spilling it. If we start painting our bedroom, and actually I wouldn't do that if I was you. Just leave it for Brian to do it. <laughs> if we start painting our bedroom, we risk dropping paint on the carpet. If we make friends, we risk being emotionally hurt from time to time, or we risk hurting others. If we speak out about something we care passionately about, we risk sounding foolish, or we risk coming up against people who fundamentally disagree with something that we hold dear. On the, on the first Thursday of every month at 7pm downstairs in the library, we have our heart and soul alternative spiritual gathering here at Essex Church, and that links in with our monthly theme. This last Thursday, our very own Jane Blackall led us in an exploration of the word sorry. Is it the hardest word to say? Elton John clearly thought it was in that song we heard earlier. I shared um, on Thursday evening that having worked with children for so many years, I've come to the conclusion that sorry is far too easy a word for some, I'd like to say young people, but I think age has got nothing to do with it. You know that way, sorry, said in a not very sorry way at all. As a, as a parent and grandparent, I've had to develop the message that an apology generally needs following up with action to make amends, to clear up the mess of that proverbial spilt milk, to listen to someone whose feelings have been hurt by my clumsy words or actions. And most of us know, don't we, that actually some damage can never be put right. Even so, I remain committed to the possibility of restorative justice and, and later this month we'll hear more about schemes that bring perpetrators, criminals together with those they have harmed and how healing that can sometimes be for all involved. So when we make mistakes, we need to own up with what, for what we've done. We may need to confess. And sometimes that confession starts with ourselves, doesn't it? That takes me quite a long time sometimes. I can spend a lot of energy denying errors, even to myself. And once we've told the truth, we may need to apologise to those we have wronged. And we may be able to put things right or find some other way to make amends. And then we can learn from our mistakes. I promise you, I never have put an electric kettle on a gas hob 
ever again. <laughs> you just have to look underneath. That's the, that's the trick. I have only ever driven off once with a box game of Monopoly on the car roof. I wish all my mistakes in life had only happened once. But then, well, that wouldn't be real life, would it? I wonder if you are uh, aware in your own life, as I sometimes am, of those mistakes that I keep on repeating. But perhaps those are the lessons we have much to learn from. They're chances to learn about our personalities and our upbringings and our ways of being in this world. And yes, let us always hold in our minds that remembering that some wrongs are deliberate and some errors can never be put right. And I wish that was not so. This week saw the start of the time of Lent in the uh, Christian calendar, a time when Christians remember the days leading up to Jesus' death. Those gospel narratives show humanity at our worst. The braying crowds, the friends that betray, the lies that are heard and acted upon, the abuse of power. Sounds like life today, really, doesn't it? And maybe this is as good a time as any to explore our theme of forgiveness and to ask what that might mean for our own lives at this time. Because in this world where we all make mistakes, hadn't we best nurture those gracious gifts of self-forgiveness along with some kind of understanding for the blunders that others make? Amen. So let us go now with peace in our hearts and compassion in all our dealings with ourselves and with others and with our wider world, knowing that if we are human, we will make mistakes, knowing that sometimes, but only sometimes, we and others have the ability to make amends, to put things right and to move forwards. Let's take such opportunities where we can. Amen. Go well and blessed be.